This is a Sydney EO production. Welcome to episode 31 of the Sydney EO Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm with Adina Jacobs. Hi, Adina. Hi, Brendan. Thank you for coming on the show this afternoon. It's my pleasure. Um, so tell me, I've, I've known STM for, it seems like, years. I remember seeing it, I think, in like Apple stores or... Yep. Um, you've seemed like you've ridden a bit of a, a wave with, you know, the whole world turning to Apple and... <laughs> That yeah. is a very, you know, um, I'm sure you're a lot, it's a lot deeper than that, but tell us a little bit about STM. Okay, so the business has been around for 21 years now. Wow. I know it's been a while. And when we started, we only did laptop bags. So the backstory is that my business partner, Ethan, and I were both working for a fast fashion company. And he was the IT manager, I was the accessories buyer. And he bought a laptop and couldn't find a bag for it, the only bag that he could get like that was freely available was the black briefcase that ubiquitous one that everybody knows go with laptops um but that didn't suit him that didn't suit his lifestyle he rode a bike and he was at university and he was working full-time and he wanted a backpack but couldn't find one anywhere so we both lived in bondi we used to ride to and from work together and we started talking about it so with his idea and my know-how because i knew how to develop and make product from my accessory buying role we came up with a collection of two bags. One was a backpack and one was a like a sort of a shoulder bag and um, bought 500 units of each, pulled our money and started a business. And when I remember so clearly we sat on the floor of his apartment and went through the yellow pages looking at luggage stores. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, we looked at like listings of luggage stores and computer stores and that kind of thing and um, – we put together a list, went out and approached people and nobody was interested. Yeah. And it was only when we happened on the Apple reseller channel, so all those stores that sell Apple computers and other related products, um, the Apple computers didn't come with laptop bags. And so we had this opportunity to sell product into those stores and then the people who were buying a Mac laptop could then buy a bag that went with it. And as a general rule back then, those people were a little bit more conscious about style and also about protection. And it was before, you know, cloud and it was before people understood um, the value, like the general person understood the value of backing up your data. And mm. so we were protecting not just the computer but also the data that was on it. Yeah. And then there was the protection against theft as well. They didn't look like typical laptop bags. They were like something that you could buy at General Pants. So we got into that Apple reseller market and it was before Apple had retail stores anywhere in the world. It was also before iPhones and iPods and iPads and all of that. There was, It was just desktops and laptops back then. So that's like 1998, is yes. that? Yes, yep. That doesn't seem that's like it right. was that, that long ago. It 21 seems in, years. It seems incredible though that, I know. that they didn't have anything like that i know so, so you guys were like first to market we were I mean, uh, there was another brand that came in around the same time as us yeah. um we weren't familiar with them at the time but we became quite familiar with them because they posed some decent competition yeah but i mean now there are lots of brands that do that type of thing what, Back what then, was, there was that nothing. brand just out, out of it curiosity was crumpler Oh, Crumpler, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of them as well. Yeah. Um, and are they still around? Yeah, they are. They they were really focused on the bike messenger market at first and then they transitioned across to tech. Yeah. Um, they're still quite big in that messenger world and they yeah. have retail stores and that kind of thing as well. So how long did it take from, you know, from the idea, the ordering the 500 units through to, I don't know, your first sale? 
It was, I mean, the lead time for producing product is quite long. So it takes about 90 days to make the product and then another 30 days on the water. So four months until we had product that we could actually ship out to customers. And you had a sample or something? We had a couple of samples, but it's not the same as having your product that's your final product in the warehouse. Yeah, right. Um, It was probably about, I can't remember the exact details, 21 years and three kids later. (laughs) My memory's not that fantastic. Um, But it it would have been a good... um, um, six months from when we placed the first order with the factory to when we sold a product. Okay. And, and how it, did you feel that day when you when someone was, actually bought it? It you was know, pretty good. I mean, yeah. One of the first orders that we got was um, I was doing a post-grad diploma in marketing and business and a guy in my study group was the marketing manager at Aussie Mail. So they bought 50 of each colour, so that was 250 oh units. Oh, my God. Yeah, and we branded them with the Aussie Mail logo as well. And yeah. so that was like a pretty big push. That gave us yeah. some money to then put back into the business and buy more product that's your proof of concept straight away yeah? pretty much yeah. yeah i mean the the real proof of concept is one at a time sales through a retailer because that means that people are going back and buying the product like yeah. a lot of people are buying the product whereas one sale to one person it's money but it's not necessarily yeah. like the success of the concept so yeah. when you start to see repeat orders from retailers that's when we knew that it was a success oh wow you make it sound like it was so easy it but really I'm wasn't sure, i'm sure it wasn't <laughs> look it, it wasn't but it was a lot of fun and it didn't feel that hard because i was 23 ethan was 28 like we didn't have a lot to lose we put a bit of money in we knew yeah. that we'd be able to shift the bag somehow if it didn't work as a business we could sell them at bondi markets yeah that never ended up happening oh that's cool so yeah. you, you didn't have to ever go to the markets it no. was straight into retail straight into retail yeah and then from there we ended up getting quite a bit of corporate business and i think a big big shift for us was the first one was about the, those apple retailers yeah or the resellers and then the next one was um was it was very unusual to see somebody wearing a suit or business clothing and a backpack back then yeah and we got into um the procurement office of pricewaterhousecoopers and they started to buy the backpacks for OH&S reasons. Right. And so all of a sudden you'd see like dozens of people around the city in Sydney wearing a backpack with a suit. And that shift, that was a big shift for us. Like that was the beginning of people wearing more casual bags yeah. um, with more formal clothing. And did they have STM yeah. sort of yeah. standing right out? Yeah. Yeah, they did. So did that? was that part of the strategy, like to have the brand and Not to really. See people? No, for us, we just wanted a good product out there. And yeah. what, I mean, we were really trading quite strongly on the fact that these products were um, protection against theft because it didn't look like they were carrying a laptop. So we didn't really, you know, on one hand, we wanted to be known as a brand that was like a tech protection brand. But on the other hand, we didn't want a would-be thief to see STM and know that there was a computer in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's a, it's a tricky paradigm, but I mean now you know it's you can assume, back then it was a big deal because not everybody carried laptops. Now you can assume that everyone has some piece of valuable tech on them at all times. Yeah, and so can you walk me through like those first couple of years, like the sure. first six months? I don't know, five hundred units, and then how how did oh it? Oh my how god, it, I can't even remember. But I can tell grow? you like where like how we operated within the business. Yeah. So in the first six months, I still I stayed working at that uh, fashion company, and Ethan left, and he was working on a few different projects. Yeah. And then I took another job at um, a swimwear company, um, and I did that for a year. And the reason why I did that was because I felt like I didn't have a lot of experience in certain parts of the business that I needed to have more knowledge in, like ship 
shipping and costings and that kind that, of thing. That's a very mature outlook at that age. Well, I just knew that it was yeah. only the two of us and yeah. that we couldn't rely on anybody else to, yeah. to, to bring all of that together. So, yeah. And it was a great job and I worked on STM, you know, lunchtimes and night times yeah. and I didn't have kids then and yeah. I, you know. School of life. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then um, Ethan Ethan's other projects fell by the wayside and he was working full-time in STM and so after a year of working for the swimwear company, I came into STM full-time as well. Yep. And um, we worked out of an office in Ethan's house. Like he's, yeah. He had a third bedroom in a semi in Bondi and that was our office for the next two years. Yeah. So we worked out of there for two years and then we moved to an office in Alexandria. And were you profitable at that stage or did it, it took take... About, it, it took about six months of me being in the business full time for both of us to be able to draw a salary. Okay. And yeah. then... So that was probably a year and a half into the business. And then how long before you uh, – I'm just curious how long it took to then start making profits like – out, breaking out of wages, in other words. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have many costs except for the cost of goods. So the yep. profits were like as soon as we started to move enough volume to order more product, yep. which would have been in the first six to eight months, yep. we were profitable. We didn't put a lot of money in to start with. I mean, we started with $7,000 each. So yep. to make that money back and we didn't have rent and we didn't have a lot of yeah. big expenses, we, you know, we brought our own laptops into the business, we brought our own phones into the business. It wasn't like – and we didn't have any staff. It was just the two of yeah. us. Yep. So it, it, we turned – like we were profitable quite early but we didn't have real costs of business for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we took very low salaries in the beginning as yep. well. So it's not even – like it's hard to say exactly when that turn came about, but I will say that a number of times over the last 21 years when I tell people what they do, they say, oh, God, you can keep the lights on by doing a business like that? I'm like, yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know. And so is Ethan still in the business? Yeah, he's right behind you. Oh, there we <laughs> he's go. He's in the office okay, over okay, there. that's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. So um, that's a very long partnership. Amazing. Yeah, Congratulations. 21 years. Thank yeah. you. What are the – what? How, how have you done it? How does Cause, it work? Yeah, because – I mean, partnerships, they either really, really work or yeah. they get to a point where they go, well, I can do everything you can do and, yeah. you know, one of the partners I or something the, changes. Well, you know, I think so. the thing with us was that we came in with very different skill sets and whatever each of us didn't know, we figured out together. Yeah. And then when we could afford to, we hired for those skills. So Ethan has the business mind and he's got the finance background. Um, so he's developed into the global CEO and I've got the product background and the, and the product and marketing background. So I've, at this point, moved into the director of product role. So he's yeah. global CEO, I'm director of product. And in the very beginning, I was focusing on everything to do with marketing, everything to do with the development of product and production. He was involved in like with ideas on product, but I did the development itself. And yeah. then he was doing everything to manage the business. Yeah. And neither of us knew anything about sales, but we were really passionate and it was just us. So we both did sales. Yeah. And then our first um, full-time hire was a salesperson. Right. And it was someone that we'd worked with in a previous life. And so we knew her and we brought her in to yeah. take over the sales side of things. So you really, it's one of those partnerships where you rounded each other out. and you, Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, fantastic. And I've learned more about what his strengths were and he's learned a lot about product and that side of things. Yeah. And so, you know, we've come to overlap a little. Um, but I, I look, at the end of the day, it, we're both in it for what's best for the business. And so yeah. we don't always agree on everything, but yeah. we agree on what's best for the business. So I don't have to be right. He doesn't have to be right. Yeah. It's, you know, we both have different ideas and then we just assess it based on what's the best decision for the business. It's like having a fourth child or maybe this yeah. is the first child and then yeah. you're... Yeah, well, it, it actually, that is the case. I mean, yeah. their business 
business has been around for longer. The business is 21. My oldest child's 13. So yeah. the business was around yeah. a lot longer than did my you children. Ha- did you have a 21st birthday party? We, you know what? We thought about it. <laughs> yeah. um, we didn't. We've thought all S-T- the way along. It's all grown up now. I know. So, yeah. But, you know, we, this is our um, Sydney, our Australian headquarters, but we have an office in San Diego, which is much bigger than the office here oh, from right. a people perspective. Okay. So to have a party here would, I mean, we wouldn't yeah. have everyone involved. Yeah. So we kind of haven't done anything major like that. And so you've, I didn't realise that you had an overseas office. Is yeah, that, um, we have a few. Is, oh, do you? Okay, yeah. yeah, walk me through where, so where you're at. the two main offices are Sydney and San Diego. Yep. In Sydney there's the half of the product team. Um, there's local sales and logistics, but local sales, like this is the office for it, but the people are out on the roads so yeah, and they don't actually sure. sit in this office. There's one in New Zealand, there's one uh, two in Melbourne, and there's one person who's based in Sydney, but she's not here very often. She's out on the road quite a bit. Which is um, what you want, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't want all the salespeople sitting <laughs> yeah, here all the time. Yeah. They're not showing product if they're yeah. sitting in the office. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then in um, in and then there's local sales support here in Sydney as well. And then in San Diego is our everything to do with um, sales for the Americas. Um, so sales people and sales support. And then the whole uh, marketing team is in the San Diego office as well. So I think that's eight people now. Yeah. Um, there's a copywriter, a videographer um, who doubles as a photographer. There's two graphic designers, two graphic design assistants and the head of marketing, the director of marketing. Uh, and then um, half the product team is in the US as well. So there oh, we've okay. got um, like an admin person, a mechanical engineer and an industrial designer. So in terms of your revenue is... Does the US represent the biggest market or is it Australia? Well, the business is is – the way that the business is structured is that there are two businesses, an Australian business and a US business. The US sells product within the Americas and the Australian business sells within Australia and to the rest of the world. So that's the Asian market, the UK, Europe – wherever else there is in the world that we sell product yeah, yeah. so it's it's not um it's it's about 50 50 okay um taking into account that yeah, outside it's of Australia the u.s and everywhere yes, in the world except Australia. for the americas exactly yeah. exactly yeah oh congratulations that sounds amazing how long how long have you been in america for uh 13 years i think wow 14 years yeah, yeah 2004 i think it was because i mean i've never never tried to do that but mm-hmm. um i understand it's pretty tricky to particularly america it's particularly hard to yeah. break, break down the barriers to com- get in it comes down to the right people like right. if you've got the right partners over there then it makes a big difference and we made a conscious effort to figure out the right way of tackling the u.s market for us we went over and um, participated in a trade show where we knew there'd be a lot of people that we could just talk to and figure out the right like the way that we wanted to do it yeah and you never know if it's the right way until you try it and, and see yeah. how it goes but yeah. i mean we did really well we met a guy there who um he's he had worked for a long time in um, tech businesses and then he retired from that world and set up an agency agency where he launched overseas products like tech products into the u.s market so he'd oh, cool. do short contracts yeah. and launch brands into the u.s market and we were one of his brands and now we're his only brand and he's with us full time and he's become like a partner to us oh so, wow yeah, yeah so it started like you know the our office was his office in his home and he um found a warehouse for us to warehouse product in that would do pick and pack for us yeah and then it just grew around his capabilities and his desires and you know now he's an, an integral part of the business over Role. Yeah, yeah, and so how did how much did the being first to market play as a I guess an advantage 
when going like 13 years yeah. ago? What was the, oh, that was yes. there a lot of competitors at that point? Or so then it made a big difference. Um, I think, you know, it was such a long time ago that now a lot of the success is based around relationships and customer service. I mean, you have to have great product, but to stay on top, you need to have fantastic customer service and really good relationships where people trust what you do and come to you to see what you're doing next. Um, being so, first to so market. Obviously, you've got a history of your products going through their yes, channels and exactly. so they know that if they stock STM it's going to sell they're going to make money and yes. everyone wins out of yeah, that yeah exactly we would yeah. hope so and it seems yeah. to be working yeah. so, so far, far. yeah because yeah. 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 there's no real shelf life to your I, I guess there would be but it there it's, is and there isn't. It depends on the product. So yeah. when it comes to bags, there yeah. isn't really. Like bags yeah. are sized, um, you know, fits most 11-inch, fits most 13-inch, fits most 15-inch. Yeah. So if the device manufacturers change their specifications slightly from product to product, you can usually either bump up to the next size product or it's, you know, like there's yeah. enough of enough leeway. When it comes to fitted products, there's a massive – there's a huge shelf life on them. So they yeah, right. the fitted products are – like iPhone cases, iPad cases, fitted cases for Surface tablets, which is the Microsoft tablet. Um, as soon as the device manufacturer comes out with a new device that supersedes the old device, yeah. your case products are like expiring vegetables like so or expiring you know, milk or whatever. That, they don't is, have a long shelf life after that. Is that a positive or a negative, do you think? Like, um, cause I guess the positive is, is that people need to – you know, if they upgrade, they've got to buy another case. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a positive um, if you manage your stock well and you yeah. don't, you're not sitting on a lot of stock for an old device. Yeah. And nobody really knows when the new devices are coming out, but you can look at the history of how the device manufacturers have launched new devices and sort of figure it out. So you need to play a bit with your, like, you know, with your forecasting and make sure that you're not sitting on a lot of stock and be prepared to either... <laughs> you know, massively discount product or run short until the new device yeah. comes in. Yeah. And we play that quite well. Ethan's really, like, yeah. he's very involved in that process and we play that quite well. Um, and it's a new opportunity to get new product into the hands of people. It's an opportunity to make upgrades to products when we're bringing in the same product for a new device. Yeah. Um, so it kind of works both ways. You just need to be conscious of what's going on in the market, when changes might occur and stay on top of it. Yeah. Oh, sounds so yeah. easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially when you say it fast. Yeah, exactly. I sh- I, I, I'm known for speaking very quickly, so I will slow down. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned before we started the interview about you've got a like a philanthropic yes. side. I'd love to hear about yes. that. Um, it's mental sure. walks. Yes, that's right. So that started about it's close to three years ago now I was um, part of an EY program called Entrepreneurial Winning Women and they took a group of us over to Shanghai for a conference one of the speakers at the conference was a woman by the name of Michelle Garneau who's originally Australian but she's been living in Asia for 30 years she's a restaurateur and she started mentor walks in in Beijing and Shanghai and she was speaking about it at this conference. I approached her afterwards and asked her, what is this mentor walks you speak of? And, um, and she explained more about it and she, she said that there was a walk the following day, there once a month. So it was quite oh, yeah. fortuitous that yeah. I was there yeah. at the same time. So I went on a walk um, with another woman from the program. Her name is Bobby Marlab. And we just took one look at each other at the end of it and said, we have to bring this to Australia. This yeah. is... A wonderful event it's an amazing opportunity for women to support women it's basically a mentoring event series so 
Um, in Australia now, three years later, we're in seven locations. Half of them are once a month and half are once every two months. And we bring together a very strong cohort of female mentors who are at the top of their field, lots of experience, good mentoring experience and ready to support other women who are on their way up. Yep. And mentees. And we each event brings together a number of mentors and then we match two or three mentees to each mentor and we all kick off together and then everybody goes on a walk. So you're walking with a small group of women, one mentor and two and three mentees. Right. Everybody comes with a burning question and yep. the mentor addresses those questions and starts the conversation amongst the small group of women and everybody shares experiences that, that they've had. Um, everyone supports each other and everybody walks away with something concrete that they can then use to address the challenge that they've had. And where do you go walking? Um, in Sydney, it's around the Opera House and Botanical Gardens. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and in all major capital cities? Uh, so we're in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and then Borbor and Geelong in Victoria. Okay. Uh, Canberra and Wollongong. And we're just about to launch in Perth. And does that take up a lot of your time to... We The way that Bobby and I have structured it is that we put as much into it as we can, but we both have successful businesses that yep. need a lot of our attention and so we yep. try not to take our eye off the ball with that. Yeah. Um, we've put together a team of a small team of people who help us run mentor walks. So we've got um, a program manager who helps us on the admin side of each walk yep. um, and then we've got a growth leader who does a few days a week and she helps us look at new horizons and how we can spread the mentor walks word and expand. So I take it your that message about mentor walks, the women in EO know all about it? Uh, uh, most of them would. Um, yep. Maybe some new people don't. Yeah. But yeah, and there are a few EO members who are mentors of ours. Oh, okay. Yes. Any mentees? Uh, no, no, but we should probably get the Accelerator members in. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that could be a really cool thing for yeah. Accelerator members. Yeah. Definitely. I'll have to talk to someone about that. <laughs> yeah, there you go, new idea. Yes. Well, we're just about at the end of the interview. I've got Great. five quick questions to sure. ask you. Sure, um, uh, How old are you? 44 and ten and a half months. Okay, very good, <laughs> succinct. Yes. Um, what do you like to do to keep fit? Oh, that's a good question. Sounds um, like you've got heaps of time, Adina. Yes. So. <laughs> um, so I was doing a lot of CrossFit, but I've had a hip injury recently, so I'm not doing much. But I like CrossFit. I really love yoga. Yep. And when I can, I just walk. It's good for the brain, yep. good for the mind. Yep. How many hours sleep do you get each night? Not enough. Yep. Um, but I go to bed quite early. I'm up early, though, because I'm in bed usually by about 9.30 or 10 at the latest. But we yep. have this office in San Diego. They're operational from 1 a.m. our time. So, oh, that's tough. And by, yeah. by 10 a.m our time it's 5 p.m for them so i only get you know on a normal day two or three hours crossover so i'm constantly putting you know if i need more time in the week it comes out of my sleep time right yeah. okay uh do you have any uh personal goals that you're looking to achieve in the next 12 months oh that's a good question um i really need to get back on the health and mindfulness track i think that's something that's a challenge for everybody when they're really busy yeah um i was on a really good track with it and then with this hip injury it sort of i fell off the wagon and so i need to really get back onto it and but mastering meditation is something that comes up for me at every <laughs> forum yeah like we've got a question on our update sheet what is one area that you want to gain mastery in and every month yeah. i'm saying meditation it's a it's a lifetime pursuit mm, yeah exactly uh and on the business front what would you like to be most remembered for like what's your legacy in other words being an inspiring leader and assisting people to be the best version of themselves great thank you adina um 
how can people find out a little bit more about STM and also, also the mental walks, I guess, if yeah. websites? Or yeah, sure. So the STM website is stmgoods.com.au. So it's stmgoods.com.au. And Mentor Walks is exactly as it sounds, <laughs> mentorwalks.com.au. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much. Thank you. Nice to speak to you, Brendan. Brendan.